2: Welcome into to the New Orleans Pelicans podcast, a podcast dedicated to everything you need to know about the squad. Hear from players, coaches, broadcasters, and those who cover the NBA on a daily basis. The New Orleans Pelicans podcast starts right now. Well, hello, everyone, and welcome
3: to another edition of the New Orleans Pelicans podcast, the official podcast of your New Orleans Pelicans. I will do my best, along with Jim Eichenhofer from Pelicans.com, to keep our spirits up with a little perspective coming up from Joel Myers, our guest for today, and plus, Jim will give us our Western Conference uh, player week, uh, team of the week. to watch. There
0: it is. Mm -hmm. Could it be the
3: Pelicans? Have you ever done the Pelicans? I have
0: not. Okay. This is actually the first season that I've done this, so I don't think okay. there's any strict rules so maybe there will be a, <laughs> we'll they never, will be at one point we'll never know yeah all right so last night there's no other way to say it a tough one 116
3: 115 in overtime pelicans go down to the memphis grizzlies second time in a week that happens very similar fashion we can call it controversy we can call it whatever it is that we want at the end CJ mccullum jim called it one of the most bizarre finishes joel myers who you'll hear from here coming up shortly i can't wait to hear what he thinks he's been around basketball a lot here as well But you and I, in postgame yesterday, looked at it from a certain perspective as well. Refereeing, shot making, free throwing, all of that. At the end of the day, controllables is maybe what I've narrowed it down to in a word. And I thought it was interesting that C.J. McCollum actually said that in his postgame press conference. You can look at all of the other things that you can't control, but boxing out, rebounding, free throw making, Hustling and go get it. I referenced yesterday to you. Jonas seems to be the only one rebounding there mm-hmm. in that final stretch.
0: Walking the ball up the court. No passing. These are all things that you can do, right? Yeah. I mean, the way that I summed up last night on what was a, a very um, unhappy postgame show was just there's a lot of people that you could be upset about. In the you know, Maybe if you want to complain about the referees, you could do that. But at the end of the day, you do have to point at yourself and look in the mirror and say, Here's the list of things that we could have and should have done better. And mm-hmm. if, even if we check off one of those boxes, it was a, with as close of a game as it was, it probably is a win. And everyone is in a much better mood today. And things are looking just drastically better. You still would go back and look at the film and say, Hey, these are some of the things we need to improve. We need to shoot free throws better, et cetera. But at least we came out of it with a win. But instead of it, instead of that, you're extremely bitter. So that was, that's one way to look at the game. I mean, to me, I, I, you mentioned you know, controversial the way that the game ended. I thought that that was the most, if people remember, um, I don't think they still have these, but going back a couple of years, they used sure. to have Buffalo Wild Wings commercials where yes. people are sitting in the restaurant watching a game and something crazy happens like the sprinkler system goes off as the running back is about to score the game-winning touchdown and he gets tripped up and therefore the game goes into overtime. That was the most Buffalo Wild Wings commercial ending I've ever seen I think in the NBA where it seemed like the and obviously I'm not saying this was intentional mm-hmm. but it just seemed like the referees were coming up with every possible way to extend that game <laughs> and it was like the the list as I tried to write it yeah. and recap it in the post game wrap it was hard to even where do how do I even narrow this down so this isn't a novel in terms of only what just happened in the last minute or minute the last 1.5 seconds of regulation was like Something that you could sit down and break down forever. So it, it was unbelievable.
3: Jim, we're sitting in a building where you don't have to you don't have to go very far down any hallway here to see uh, or ask anybody if they haven't seen something like that before towards yes. the end of a game. Yes. But and I think that's the thing too, right? And and look again, CJ McCullum said it after the game. It shouldn't have come down to that. Mm-hmm. Um you heard Brandon Ingram in the locker room there as well say it. Uh, Willie Green said it. Look, these things hurt. We, we've we talked about this, and it stinks. Even he said it. He's hoping that you don't have three or four more of these games like this. But go back to Trey Murphy after the loss against Houston, and he said, we just haven't had enough minutes, this group together on there, and it's kind of mm-hmm. this discombobulated who wants it, who wants it. Look, I, I, I'm, i again, not at any level near professionalism, but if you've played any kind of sports, you always have that one person that you sort of feel comfortable enough when the clock is ticking down. I'm going to get that person the ball. He's going mm-hmm. to come through. That person comes through. And when you look at the the last three losses, it's been that, right? Like, we all knew. The entire arena knew Jean Morant was going to drive there at the end. We right. all knew Shen was going to get the basketball, right? right? And mm-hmm. we all saw yesterday um, y- you had to address that. And, and you saw them blitz Jean Morant. But th- that, that team looked confident and played confident. And I think at the end of the day, I know it's not what I want to hear. I know fans don't want to hear it, but it's just maybe the truth right now. And maybe that's why Willie Green said it yesterday, that this team just has to go through this and has to learn it. I I can't teach it. I can't draw it up. He says that you can sit there and watch video, but, Jim, Mm -hmm. until you figure it out yourself on the court, you have three max players, you have players with talent, you have all. They have to figure it out themselves. Somebody's got to want it. And I think that's the thing we talked about last night. Who wants it? Because it's different from Jim, go ahead. You know, I'll go. Carver, you go. You know, it's like, who Mm -hmm. wants it? Who's Mm -hmm. the person that says we're not losing tonight? Right. And and, and until that
0: develops, I think that. It's going to be tough. And and by the way, Willie Green, I think the word, the phrase that he used was this crap hurts, which yes. that's an extreme. That's like very close. That's as right. close to a profanity as you're going to and get. he said it kind of low. So when, when he said <laughs> right. that, I, my antenna went up because you realize how, He's ticked how off. angry he is He's about 100%, the situation. Yeah, yeah I, I mean, you're right as far as they're going to have to figure this out. The only way to avoid having to figure this out, is tr- winning every game by double figures, which we know is totally right. unrealistic and is not going to happen in the NBA. So well,
3: It's got to be frustrating from his aspect of it, right? Because he's sitting there and he's like, well, make the pass. Like, pass the basketball. Mm-hmm. I mean, and Because he's not doing anything that we're not saying. Go rebound. Get mm-hmm. out there. It, it, and that's what I'm saying. It's up to the, the guys to kind of have that sense and feel. And that's going to be interesting for me moving forward because you still have a couple of games here in this homestand. It still is December. But I, I do th- I do like the I, I'd ra- here's what I was thinking about when I was driving in this morning. There is a sense of urgency. Mm-hmm. Like we wouldn't be this upset last night, right? You wouldn't hear the somber and the seriousness in cJ and 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 Willie Green and Trey Murphy and and, and using phrases like, we've got to fix this. We've got to figure it out because they know that they can win. This right. is different than can they find a way to win a game? In, in other words, do you have enough talent? Do you have enough shooting? Mm-hmm. You know, can, can you even compete with these teams? That's not where the Pelicans are. Right. The Pelicans are, look, that's a different Memphis team with y'all. Ja. So the Pelicans are there, right? The Pelicans are, you can win every single night. But to beat good teams, to win playoff series, to eventually win championships, you have to win in the clutch. And there's some stats that are alarming right now. That needs to get corrected now,
0: but I'd rather them do it now than uh, in April. Yeah, yeah, and I think unfortunately some of the tentativeness kind of compounds itself. The way that they play at the end of games, where the, where you watch them and they just look hesitant, they look apprehensive. Mm-hmm. Um, that stuff, it seems like it it just kind of multiplies. Like the more that they play like that, the more that they get cautious, and the more that they don't attack to me that's one of the words that I keep going back to is that you have to attack more. You can't be in this mode of, you know, indecisiveness and trying to figure out, okay, where do we go with the ball? If you play that way, where you're constantly thinking instead of just reacting and and um, you know, doing everything that you can to put the defense in a bad position, you're going to end up with some of the problems that they've had lately. So, hopefully they can get better at that, improve that. Otherwise, I'm going to keep feeling like I did after last night where I feel like someone's going to and this isn't just last night, this is over the course of this season, and even yeah. if you went back years, I feel like at some point someone's going to jump out of the bushes and tell me that I'm on this NBA prank show, <laughs> and I'm like, okay, now it all makes sense. How you could have the series of crazy, wild um, madness that happened at the end of the game, we're getting pranked, okay, I get it yeah. now. Nah, ha that's funny, I can laugh, Yeah. because that's sometimes I feel like that's the only way that any of this makes any sense yeah, at all. Yeah, no
3: doubt, at the end of the day, it comes down to this. Take care of your own business. And that's what it comes down to, right? Take it out of anyone else's hands, take it out of the yep. opponent star player's hands, take it out of the referee's hands. But I feel like we need a dose of perspective. huh? And who better to do that than Mr. Joel Myers, our guest mm. for today. So let's do that.
0: all
3: right it's our pleasure to welcome in our guest for the day mr jim i can offer he is the voice i've tried so many times you know maybe like go without drinking water to try to get that beautiful raspiness and that deep baritone i just don't have it sir mr joel myers voice of the year new orleans pelicans for valley sports and of course the television broadcast good morning to you sir how are you man
4: well uh, it'd be doing better uh with four tenths of a second left there was no files committed it was a bizarre ending as we all know uh but Unfortunately, the Pels still over the 500 mark, three games over the 500 mark and still in the seventh seed in the West. So it could be worse.
3: I, I want to start there because CJ McCollum was asked literally at the very beginning of his post-game presser yesterday that he's like, have you ever been a part of that? Now you've been around basketball a lot. Um, obviously, uh, you know, CJ has been around basketball. A lot. He called it the most bizarre finish ever. So does that kind of go with how you saw it last night?
4: Yeah, it was strange. I mean, I was, I called Derek Fisher's point four in San Antonio Mm. when, you know, he ran off the court after hitting that shot. Um, But it was strange. And it was strange to see the officials so involved at the end of a game. That was really strange to me as well. So uh, there was a lot of bizarre aspects to it. So I've seen some, some different things, uh, but that ranks up there close to the top of the list.
0: I think for me, too, in addition to some of the specifics that happened last night, I don't think I've seen a team have this string of losses where, I mean, they have—they still haven't lost a game since Las Vegas by more than two points. So, I mean, how do you put that into context as well? Just the It just seems like, I mean, I, I don't want to turn this into a complaint festival, but it, do, it does seem like they've had so many bad breaks lately where, especially at the end of games, it seems like everything has kind of gone wrong.
4: Well, Jimmy brought up the word breaks. You make your own breaks. And the Pals, you know, they didn't have any turnovers until the fourth quarter. They had six in the first quarter. Then they had three the rest of the way until the last six minutes of the game. And then they beat themselves with turnovers. And then as you watch them in their half-court sets, they don't have any pace at all. They walk through it. And prior to that, until the last three to four minutes of the game, they were moving the basketball, uh, not that they had many assists last night because it became an ISO game, uh, but nobody wanted to make a mistake mm. down the stretch, and that impacts you as well. I mean, a perfect example is Jonas had a great look inside, and, I mean, he's six eight feet for the basket, and he backed it up and backed it out, and that was deep in the shot clock. And, uh, and that was not on Jonas. That was on all of them. It was a group mentality as opposed to being forceful and aggressive, and with pace. So everything changed over the last four or five minutes, so they've got to get over that more than anything else.
3: I literally talked to Jim about that in our post game yesterday, and then you hear what Trey Murphy had to say after Houston saying, look, they don't have a lot of minutes together because, it, you know, on the outside, I guess uh, that, that phrase, Joel, on paper, th- this is a team that isn't really young in terms of – Zion's been in the league a bit. He's played a lot of basketball. Um, CJ's been around a bit. Brandon Ingram's been around a bit. Those are your top three players. Jonas has been around a bit. Is it what Trey Murphy kind of says, that you just haven't been in those situations? And Willie Green said it after the game yesterday as well. Memphis, while they seem kind of young, they've been in the postseason. They've been in games where they've had to win or lose. Um, And just this Pels team has it. Is it as simple as just not having done it?
4: Well, I think it goes beyond that. I also believe that there needs to be an alpha at the end of games like that. And they have a John ja Morant. And then a lot of teams have that dominant lead guard for the last three, four minutes of a game. You So Minnesota looks totally different with Mike Conley, completely mm-hmm. different with a 36, 37-year-old lead guard. And I think that's where it, if you play 48-minute games, the first 45 minutes are great. But in a one possession game, when it really slows down, like the playoffs, you need that alpha, the one guy that is going to be the glue, that is going to be the guy that is not going to be impacted or inundated by the the moment. So uh, that will develop over time. Hopefully Uh, the alpha will emerge from this group. If not, you find you find an alpha is what it boils down
0: to. I mean, do you look at it in general too? I, I like where you're going with with some of this in terms of, you know, we could sit here and complain about officiating or bad calls or I use the word the phrase bad breaks all day. I mean, we did that a little bit earlier in the podcast before you came on, but I mean, you kind of look at it like we have to shift for, shift forward to focusing on things that you can control. And another one to me is the free throw shooting as well. That that was also costly and something that's been a problem in some of the recent games.
4: 12 misses, you know, one possession game. Yeah, I mean, that's bizarre. That is really strange because you don't have Andre Drummond. You don't have Bismarck Biambo.
0: Right. You don't mm-hmm. have
4: a lot of bricklayers. You don't have a lot of Masons. So then it's psychological. As AD, my partner, Antonio Daniels, says, it's, it's so psychological because you're standing there and it's not a rhythm. It, it's not like in motion like you are out on the floor during mm-hmm. the course of a game. So all of a sudden you stop and it's consistency in form. It's very similar to what tennis players, golf guys will tell you consistency in form. When you go to the free throw line, whatever that is, whatever your rhythm, whatever your method is. And for some reason, this group doesn't have it. You get, you know, Gus, you just brought up CJ CJ missed two at the end of the game. Yeah, That was strange in a close game. And he'd be the first to tell you he's the shooter. So you have to find a way to get over that. And then, you know, the, the, I brought up the turnovers, the situational. It's really situational because you the, the first 35 to 40 minutes of a game, you, you may not have any. But all of a sudden, in crunch time, in the most dramatic moments, you've given it away. And we saw that again last night. So they just have to clean things up. The talent is there. There is no question this, this roster has a ton of talent, can play, can score, can can match up with almost any team. But they have to glue it together and find out who that off is going to be.
0: You know, you bring up a good point as far as w- when I look through the free throw percentages of teams year in and year out, the team, the, t- the three to five teams at the bottom of the list. It's always very easy to explain this team is at the bottom because they have Shaq. This team is at the bottom because they have Dwight Howard. Right. There's always one guy. The thing that was perplexing to me, especially if you look at the game last night in particular, is that it just seemed like everybody was missing free throws. I mean, right. I think they had six or seven guys that missed at least one. It wasn't the kind of thing where, um, you know, you can point the finger at one player and say, you're the reason that we had a bad free throw shooting game. But. I don't know what it is. It just seems like it's contagious with this team. Like a couple guys miss free throws and it's like people, I don't even know how to explain it. People just tighten up maybe mentally. And they're like, we've already missed six or seven yeah. free throws. I can't be the one that misses another one. And then that it ends up happening. Well, Joe,
3: when you mentioned it too, that, that mental aspect of it, you know, you, there's video of John Moran skipping out, out, out into the tunnel after the game said, I didn't think we'd do it again. We did. And he's laughing, right. It's having that confidence to go do that. And, so much of sports is physical, but so much is that mental aspect, belief, confidence that you're going to go do it. I want to do. It's what I told, uh, spoke with Jim about in postgame. Someone needs to say, give me the ball. You know, the famous Shaq phrase that he said at halftime in the locker room. If you don't pass me the ball in the second half, I'm going to deck you. Somebody needs to to have that confidence. And then other people feed it because you saw it, right? In one week's time the difference that Memphis is by having a guy like Ja who has confidence but then exudes confidence and gives confidence to everyone else.
4: Well, you also remember at the end of the game, they had three guys that could be aggressive, that all felt really good about it handling the basketball. They had Ja. Ja didn't handle it. Marcus Smart. And then what about Desmond Bain? So they had three guys that really wanted it at the end of the game. They wanted the ball in their hands. They weren't shrinking in that moment and let's face it guys we're 31 games in They're 17 and 14 right now I'd much rather have all of this rise and, and come to the front at 31 in than the last 31 games and then all of a sudden you're collapsing down the stretch so work it out now find out and identify what you need to do and and who needs to be those guys that we're talking about at the end of games, the guys that need to take the lead, need to take that role, but you can't walk the ball up the floor over the last five, six minutes of the game and play not to lose and play to protect. You have to continue to build off of what you did for the first 42 minutes as opposed to the last six minutes, and, and then all of a sudden you look like you know the old proverbial uh, deer, head, deer in the headlight look, and that was what has transpired recently down the stretches of these close games.
0: I'm totally with you, Joel. I mean, as much as people would have been, and I'll include myself in this angry at, after the game last night, you wake up the next day and you realize that it was game 31. It wasn't game 71. And you realize that if this kind of thing happens in March, it could be a season killer. It could be the kind of loss that says, okay, now you didn't make top six because of this game. You didn't make the play-in, or you're in a less-than-ideal spot for that as well. So, you know, one of the things that you mentioned, and we, we talked about earlier as far as having an alpha, a guy that you can go to, and, Joel, you talked about how, you know, between Morant, Bain, and Jackson, the Grizzlies had three guys that were totally willing and able to step up and take big shots. Um, I actually thought, too, for – I thought Brandon Ingram did take – some tough shots and made some tough shots. But to me, the problem is that they're always so difficult. And you, you mentioned Joel, the part about walking into the offense and how they get stagnant. To me, that is one of the biggest things they need to address, regardless of the specifics of who's taking the shot, who's stepping up and saying, this is my game. I'm going to take it by the throat. The way that John Morant did is just making sure that whatever shots you get, they're not up against the shot clock. Um, I think you can have maybe lesser talented players execute well at the end of games. If you are doing the stuff to get yourself better opportunities, if you're getting into the offense, if you're, you know, running different actions that allow you to create open shots. So to me, that's the biggest thing. Um, The step to me, the step before even getting to the point of figuring out, okay, who's going to have the ball the most at the end of the game is making sure that, I mean, you could have, You can have five Michael Jordans on the team, but if every possession is five seconds left, everybody's looking around like, what do we do? You're going to end up with bad results on offense and you're going to end up with a lot of shot clock violations or, you know, contested 20 footers and you can't win that way offensively.
4: Well, the biggest issue is you play one way for 42 minutes and the last six minutes. Now you have no pace at all. And I'm not talking about transition. I'm talking about you get the ball across now there's 16 left on the shot clock now you're deciding what to do you're down to eight or ten and you yep. still haven't even the ball's mm-hmm. not been inside the three point line yet yep so pace in a half court set means crisp movement we're there in the morning we're at practice ad and i sit together and and they they fly through half court sets mm. and they move the basketball and there's constant touches and it switches sides uh, that doesn't exist over the last six minutes so they get away from what they were doing to get the 15 point lead what they have right. to do is to remedy the situation is continue to do what they were doing earlier but mm-hmm. if you're going to walk it up down the middle of the floor and all of a sudden now there's 10 on the shot clock and you still haven't even made one or two passes yeah. and you're out beyond the three-point line You're always going to have problems with the shot clock. You're always going to be deep into the shot clock. So they have to remedy that situation. And we're not telling them anything they don't know.
0: Yeah, you know, I'll say one more thing about that. To me, a lot of times people think that the way, the biggest reason that a team loses a lead in the fourth quarter is because of defense, that they play poorly, that the other team scores a bunch of points and they blow a lead. But if you really look at it, a lot of the times a, a team is up 15 in the fourth quarter and they lose, it's because when you look at the box score at the end of the game, they only scored, say, 15 points in the fourth quarter. A lot of times it is offense. And so I I think that's definitely true. And also, too, I think teams, and you could say maybe the Pelicans fall into this, too, teams a lot of times when they have a lead in the fourth quarter, they get really apprehensive. They get really hesitant about what they're doing. You know, overly so, overly cautious. And to me, too, you you can't worry about the clock almost at all until there's about a minute or so left in the game when there's a minute or so left in the game and you have the lead at that point you can say okay now we can make sure we take a lot of time off the clock the way Memphis did in overtime last night after they had the lead you can't do that with four or five minutes left in the game because all it does is it makes the opposing defense even more aggressive get up in you even more Mm -hmm. and kind of smell blood and say these guys are getting getting cautious now we can we can come back against this team
4: Yeah, and you don't want the reputation of a team that's going to protect a lead and let it get away Mm -hmm. and lose double-digit leads. And now the Pels are 0-6 in games decided by three or less. They're also uh, bottom three in offensive efficiency in clutch games in the last five minutes of games that are five or less at that time. So you don't want that reputation because teams are always going to say, well, we can come back on them. They've been there and done that and given it up before. So – as I said, it's 31 games in. It's a long season. And we're really fortunate that things like this are identified early as opposed to late when you can't make adjustments. And you're already kind of stuck into this is who we are. Well, you can get away from that. It's still early in the season. And the team is still right now seventh in the Western Conference. Anytime you think you have problems and you think you have issues, just look at the Detroit Pistons. I was,
3: I knew you probably. were going to say
0: that. I knew you, <laughs> you were going to say that. Where
3: I was rooting for. I kept giving <laughs> score updates during the game, like they're down, they're down two, they're up one, and then you know they didn't close out. But that's what I was going to finish out with, Joel. Is that is you know the way this home stand start has been tough, and obviously you go back to the Tuesday game against Memphis before the home stand started, but you pick up that win against Utah. You pick up a very happy New Year's Eve win against the Lakers. You'll make everybody feel better. And then you close out against Brooklyn. And if you go three and two this homestand, it, it feels different, doesn't it? So, I mean, this is a chance to show, hey, if you want to heed these lessons and and learn, you still can come out on top and, and have more wins than losses in this homestand.
4: Yeah, and don't beat yourself. That's the key with turnovers in the fourth quarter. And then just basketball IQ mistakes, little things that crop up over the last six months of the game, because now you're kind of in panic mode. This team has a lot of talent. There is no question. They have a ton of talent on the roster. So that's the really plus. That's the big positive. They've got guys, whether it's Zion or whether it's Brandon, CJ got on the list, Trey, uh, Herb, who's the most versatile at both ends of the floor. Uh, they've got a lot of, they've got depth. They have talent. So they are, A lot of positives. And fortunately, this is early in the season, and it's not the last 15, 20 games, and you're in panic mode.
3: That's true. A little perspective from Mr. Joel Myers. As always, man, appreciate the time. Thank you for stopping by.
4: Anytime, guys. Thank you for having me.
3: Thanks, Joel. All right, Jim, as always, we appreciate Joel giving us a little bit of that time. It just, it's just it's almost like a, that father figure, right? Where you just sit there, be like, Daddy, please help me understand what is going on here. Well, sit here, son, and let me tell you. Sometimes life stinks. Now, okay. <laughs> That's how it is. Uh, but it is, but look, you heard me say it there at the end. And as we go, and, and before we get to the Western Conference, you know, team and, and player and all that other stuff. How, how about this? Go, look, we're gonna feel a lot different, right? Get that win. And then you win on New Year's Eve against the Lakers Who are struggling, they're struggling mm-hmm. since The Vegas tournament, so right. it, it's not Just the Pels, a lot of teams, look, I saw This past week and over the weekend Is it time for Kevin Durant to leave, you know Phoenix, oh, I'm like, no, oh, I'm being God. Serious, <laughs> yeah. you saw that though, No, right? it doesn't Surprise me, no, that, but I, you I'm saw just laughing that. Yeah. that people brought That up, I, yeah. I, literally, somebody tweeted, Kevin Durant doesn't deserve this, he needs to leave Phoenix I'm like, what? <laughs> he has to go? I mean So that's what I'm getting at, and you would think With those guys, it just, there's Something to be said about chemistry and you've mm-hmm. got to go through it and have those guys who have become second nature so that's my dose of perspective when literally around the league the warriors are done they've won what four or five straight mm-hmm. the lakers are trash let's see what happens in a couple of days right in a couple of weeks right oh right. phoenix is unstoppable durant wants out i mean let's 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 breathe mm-hmm. figure it out somebody Say, give me the ball and go win some games because I think you have the talent. But that's the thing: you look around the league, there's a lot of teams that are that are
0: scratching heads right now. That you're there really are, and that actually was the the main thing that I wanted to discuss briefly in Western Conference Wednesday is to me one of the developing stories around not just the West but the league overall is the fact that you have the Lakers are in ninth place, Golden State's tenth, Phoenix is in eleventh, wouldn't even be a play in team right now. That part is really interesting. But as you referenced, we we remember last season was one of the best teachers of how long an 82 game season there is because the Lakers started off maybe two and ten, and by the end of the season they're in the Western Conference Finals. Pelicans were in first place in December. By the end of the season, they were in ninth, and then got knocked out, out of the plan. Yeah. So you can't get go overboard with you know freaking out, saying like, okay, you know, like you mentioned the part about people wondering if Kevin Durant should leave. It's like it is only December. It is only 30-ish games into the season for a lot of teams. So you have to put that into perspective and realize that there's so much time left in the year. Um, Western Conference Wednesday, the team to watch last week, coincidentally or maybe not coincidentally, was the Suns. They are continuing to struggle. They lost. They only had two games, but they lost by 15 at Sacramento, and then they lost on Christmas by 14 at home against Dallas. They're 14 and 15 now, which puts them two games behind the Pelicans. Pelicans should probably have a bigger lead than two games, but we've already gone over that yeah. ad nauseum in terms of why they don't have a bigger edge on the Suns than two games. Um, the Western Conference team to watch this week is going to be the Dallas Mavericks. Uh. They're 18-12, and 12, and that's only one and a half games ahead of the Pelicans, so part of the reason why I picked them is because I do think it's possible that we could see some shift as far as can the Pelicans gain ground and or pass them. Um, the Mavericks schedule this week, they they host Cleveland tonight, they're at Minnesota tomorrow, which is a very difficult back-to-back. Mm-hmm. Then they're at Golden State Saturday, Monday at Utah, people might say, oh, Utah, but I mean, we've seen how good the Jazz can be with two two close wins over the Pelicans, and they've been playing much better lately. They're 13-18, and 18, um, won a few games in a row, played much better. Um, so the Mavericks are the team to watch just because I think, I mean, at this point, I could pick one of six, seven, eight different teams that are right there with, in the standings with the Pelicans, but they have a pretty challenging week ahead, so I'm curious to see how they do. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see, and, and that's the beauty of it. Is that I think it's going to be like
3: this. You just have to stay consistent, and like I said, you always want to be a- above the five hundred mark. Right, mm-hmm. seven and three is perfect for me. I just it's fine. I love eight and two. I love nine and one. I love ten and zero in ten game stretches because Coach Willie Green likes to look at them in ten. Yeah. you have to avoid three and sevens, four and sixes. Like that, that's how I look at it. even five and fives. You're not gonna you're not gonna fall that much, but you just can't get there and for the most part the pills have avoided that now right you've lost a couple here in a row now now you have got to go take care of your business on Thursday that's the one thing we touched on yesterday the most disappointing of this is your last three home games you've lost and you've lost in games that you've been able to win mm-hmm. you know you can't give up 15 point leads 14 point leads and and lose at home it, it shouldn't be there's no noise you know you should have the you know the help of the fans yeah. and all of that and i think the, the, the graphism of all of this is you would think you would get the benefit of the calls mm-hmm. <laughs> at home, but right. that's a, that's a completely different, that's the three hour podcast that's yet to be recorded.
0: And I think too, you know, specific to what the Pelicans have done lately at home and what's happened in the fourth quarters at home is when you think you can deliver that knockout punch where you're up 12, 15 in the fourth quarter and you say, okay, let's put these guys away. It's harder to do that on the road for whatever reason, Um, but the Pelicans have not been able to do that. Um, Somehow they have to continue to carry the momentum that they've built up in the beginning part of the game, the first half, first three quarters, and do that in the fourth quarter as well. So that's what we're going to hope to see.
3: Well, again, our thanks for Joel Myers, and more importantly, um, I'm pretty impressed by you.
0: Thanks, Gus. Yeah. yeah.
3: I thought for sure you'd have jumped over here and grabbed my kid's brand-new Nintendo Switch and just started playing based (laughs) off of the game yesterday, (laughs) sat Carver down here and just have him, you know, because –
0: yeah. I, what... I mean, I, I could probably use yeah. a distraction from That's what, what I've talked about. When, when you first said how impressed you were, yeah. I didn't know what you meant. And I thought maybe you were referring to the fact that I'm not completely unhinged today. No. So th- I had showed some good composure. Two things helped me,
3: and I'm paying for it tonight. I, I, may, I may not have had a glass of wine. <laughs> CJ McCullum would approve of that. Yes, um, And then I realized it was 2.07 a.m., six boards in Super Mario Brothers wonder oh wow <laughs> I'm like, I have wow. got to put this wow. down
0: <laughs> yeah I think that. I think I got <laughs> to sleep at least by 1230 1245 I, 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 so I'm doing just, better I was
3: just saying what this is all about yeah, you know yeah. it's been years yeah, since i boing boing yeah. and then next thing you know it's 207 <laughs> yeah you gotta be careful a. with those yeah. games man <laughs> Dude, they'll keep you up my eyes hurt thank you Jim <laughs> as always man thanks Gus hopefully our Friday podcast is going to be a little bit better hey tomorrow night Pels take on Utah, and then it's the Lakers on New Year's Eve, which is just around the corner here as well. That's the beauty of it as we talked to Joel Myers. You can get three wins here to close out the homestand. Everything's going to be feeling better. At the very least, you've got to get the New Year's Eve. So, anyway, well, we'll see you then. As always, thanks for tuning us in. Don't forget to follow the show. If you do that, just click follow the show on anywhere that you're listening right now. You'll actually get a notification. You'll get, you know, the boom right there on your phone, on your laptop that lets you know that the newest podcast is been posted so has been posted thank you so much for tuning us in we'll see you again on friday you've been listening to the new orleans pelicans podcast
2: thanks for listening to the new orleans pelicans podcast join us three times per week on pelicans.com the pelicans mobile app or you can subscribe to the podcast on itunes we'll see you next time right here on the new orleans pelicans podcast